Welcome. You are listening to a sermon preached at Church at the Armory. If you like what you hear, share it. God bless you. facetious but I'm also very serious I mean you got to be careful what you're asking for I mean think about think about what you're singing I mean this isn't it's a pretty song and has a beautiful melody and stuff but you really got to digest the words I mean you're you're asking you're asking for some hard stuff so in 2010 um, I became deathly ill and ended up in ICU and was fighting for my life and uh, almost died twice, was actually supposed to be dead, um, and miraculously was still alive even though medically I was supposed to be dead already and I was only 39. We went through some really bad stuff back then. I was in, in and out of hospitals for seven weeks. It took me over a year to recover. Um, so on one hand, you're like, well, you know, I used to sing the song all the time, and did I, did I jinx myself? Did I actually bring all that onto myself by singing this over myself all the time? That's one way to look at it, but the reality is, is that I was actually strengthening my, my spirit, man. Amen. So... the Holy Spirit was actually helping me prepare for what was coming. And um, even though I've lost an incredible amount of weight, I was weak as a kitten. I was only 170 pounds. My normal weight is 255. Um, I was so weak, it took two people to help me go to the bathroom. I couldn't even do anything for myself someone else had to clean me up I was uh, laying there in bed you know a 40 year old man I was wetting my own bed 
peeing all over myself. I couldn't couldn't help it. Um, you wouldn't know that by looking at me now. But I don't want to get into the, the you know graphic details too much. But the song really strikes a chord with me because. It's 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 a very serious song. It's uh, it's a beautiful song, and it's you know it's fun to sing and catchy and stuff. But I just I'm just trying to I'm, I don't want to make this about me. I'm just using it as an example. I'm I just want everybody to really think about this song. This is a very serious song, and uh, what the main thing I'm thankful for besides the fact that I'm still alive and wasn't supposed to be. And, you know, I've lived to see. <laughs> Come on. I've, I've lived to see some awesome stuff, you know, my, my son and daughter and grandson. Uh, but the main thing I'm thankful for is that the Lord was preparing me even though I didn't realize it at the time and like I said strengthening my spirit man and so in the midst of all of that chaos I can honestly say and I'm so thankful that this is true not one time did I curse and get angry and complain I embraced the whole thing and just went I was just along for the ride and I was like completely hanging on to the Lord's will. And and looking back, I've, I've asked myself, did how much of that was real? How much of that was just my mind, you know, playing tricks on me? But I got a, a, a little reminder a few weeks ago that it was absolutely real because once again, I found myself in the hospital for a few days and once again my spirit man was coming out and I'm in there in my hospital bed getting wrecked over Jeremy Riddle in Psalm 63 and I texted pastor about it so that let me know that it's still real even though over 13 years you know you look back and you're like I've taken so much for granted since then and I've, a lot of times I feel like I squandered the second chance I was given, but then there I was in the hospital bed again in the presence of the Lord, so it's still there. The metaphor that I like to use, uh, you know, I used to do a lot of whitewater kayaking. I haven't done it in a couple years because I've been so busy, busy um, with the home place that we took over. <clears throat> um, when you're When you're in a river, you're you're along for the ride and you have to you have to you have to dig in and you have to fight to keep yourself upright i mean it's it's like every little millisecond can um, uh, decide what's fixing to happen to you and um the thing about being in a river is that you're you see a, a drop coming up or you see a, a bend up ahead and you can't see what's beyond that point but the thing about being in a river is that you're going to go around that bend or you're going to go over that drop whether you want to or not. So that's kind of like 
to me, that's what it's like being uh, completely at the mercy of the will of the Father. I don't know how else to say it. So it's not necessarily, it can be terrifying, <laughs> literally, but it can be exhilarating at the same time. I don't know if I'm making any sense today. That song just struck a chord with me, and I just kind of wanted to, I guess you can call it rambling, but I just wanted to talk about it a little bit. I think, well, I think one of the things we could do right now, I think most, a lot of us, all of us could sing this song and talk about what could come, the fire, and all that, but a lot of us are in a unique position to stand and talk about how took me through the fire he took me through the rain he took me through the test and I did everything he tested me tried me proved me refined me like the gold how many of y'all how many of y'all know that song Come on, raise your hand if you know that song. And I want us to sing, uh, I want to sing a praise of how we've been taken through the fire. And I think the Lord really looks and he, and he sees people of refined gold this morning. Let's sing that one more time. He took me through the fire. He took me through the rain. He took me through the testing. And I didn't He tested me. sing this. that you as Daniel talked about you're the river that we jumped into and no matter where that river took us God we went for the ride and God we're we're different people than when we got in the river you've grown us you've matured us you have refined us like gold and we are grateful somebody say amen we're grateful we are honored, and God, and, and and it just strengthens our heart to trust you more. The next bend around the river, Daniel, you made perfect sense for those of us who went through that with you. You made perfect sense. I think about when you asked me earlier, "What are you doing?" And my response to you was so uh, candid and literal. Um, but I, I really think it was the Lord. Um, like Daniel, I've been through some stuff the last five years. And uh, haven't fully come out the other side of it yet. So I understand um, the things that he thought and felt and uh, just wasn't sure about. And this morning in the uh, meeting, 
the prophetic team had, I told them this morning, I said, if I wasn't fully convinced of how the Lord felt about me, I'd have lost my mind the last four years. And um, because everything else has been stripped. And I just said to him this week, I said, if what you're stripping is religion, don't leave one seed. And uh, then I told him a dream that I had in the last two weeks. Now, this is the one I tell everything to, and she's going to witness. I haven't told this to her because I held on to it, not really knowing what to do with it. But uh, a while back, the Lord told me he was taking me through a dark tunnel that he showed me. And I kind of took a deep breath. I said, really, Lord? And he said, oh, yeah, we're going through it, but I'm going to be with you. And every bit of darkness we're dragging into the light. Y'all know when stuff happens to you, it's not always just about you. <laughs> so sometimes I'm dragging everybody's darkness into the light. Um, that is for the purpose of redemption. There is no condemnation in that. Um, but two weeks ago, it might have been a few days more because if my memory is right, it was before my appendectomy. Uh, things get kind of clouded when you've gone under anesthesia <laughs> again. And so um, the only part of the dream I remember was I was in a tunnel and I could see the light and I started coming up out of the tunnel and I was coming up like I was swimming for the surface. Just shot me right up out of it. And it was so real. I was like, Lord, I like I and here's here's what chronic sickness and, and just huge attacks on your body does to you. I was like Lord, I know that was you because the dream was too real, but I'm terrified to speak it, and it's not now because you get tired of the struggle. And um, so I held on to it. But when I told it to Missy and um, Melanie this morning, Missy said, that sounds like a rebirth, and it just inside of me, yes. So... I don't think it's just for me and Daniel who've been through stuff. I was thinking the same thing about that song to the point that I literally went outside for a minute and got my drink because I was like, I that song terrifies me <laughs> because I've been through the fire and I've been through the rain and, and I've been through the testing and I know what it does to you. Um, but in the middle of all of it, it convinces you that you have a father and he loves you and he's good. So I just want to share that with y'all for those of you who are going through stuff and you're terrified to talk about it and, and you don't want to tell anybody how you're really feeling. Um, I kept telling them this morning in the meeting, the scripture that I've heard over and over, every time I go to the Lord to try to talk to him about this, of which it's not up for discussion for some reason, because um, I always want to know why, and you know, he doesn't answer the why's. And so the scripture he keeps telling me is, is that in our weakness, he's made strong. And he says, in, you know, in your weakness, because it's his voice talking. And I'm just like, Lord, if, if this is what it took to make me weak, then I can't wait to see you strong. Um, and so I just, let me just pray. Lord, I just pray for those in the service who are going through battles and they will not open up and talk about it because shame sits on them. 
Holy Spirit, I ask you to release them from the cuffs of shame where it it puts tape over their mouth and their hands are bound and their feet are bound. Lord, we speak freedom to this group of believers today, to this family, to church at the armory, Lord. We speak freedom. We speak life. We speak your strength, Lord. We're not asking that you make us strong in ourselves. We're asking you make us strong in you. Lord, let our lives be poured out like a drink offering. You know, I I think like Daniel and, and Lord Chester gave me so much strength to turn the words of that around that I've been through the fire and I've been through the testing. I feel your strength in singing that. Not the, ugh, can I do this for a third, fourth, fifth time of, of whatever somebody's been going through. But Lord, to know that every day, if I'm weak, it gives you the opportunity to be strong. So if, if I have to be weakened to the point that I am recovering from surgery, then you get a, a time of great strength in me. And so Lord, I ask that you strengthen all of us in you, that you use our bodies like a drink offering because here's what you didn't do, Lord. You didn't destroy me and you didn't destroy Daniel. You made us so sure of who you are and knowing we cannot win one single battle without you. And so, Lord, for that, Daniel and I want to glorify you today. We give you glory. You brought us through. You are bringing us through. You didn't kill us. You didn't drown us. You didn't leave us alone. That's what I told them this morning, Lord. I can call your name, and 100% of the time, you show up. I tangibly feel you. And I think of how you were in the desert when, when you were there by yourself for that 40 days. You weren't alone and you knew it. And you've told us, I don't care what season you ta- I take you through, I'm with you. Lord, that's a win either way. A win-win for us and for you. So Lord, let our worship trample on the face of the enemy today. But we don't put our eyes on him. We put our eyes on you, Jesus. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. And for that today, Lord, we give you glory, honor, and praise. Took me through the fire, took me through the rain, took me through the testing, I did everything, tried me, tried me. song from your lips this morning. Look, we're not going to switch gears, but we're going to let you be seated. Can we got another person who wants to... Uh, come here. Come here. Uh, come here, Daniel, real quick. Come here, Daniel. Then, then Tito's going to go next. Uh, I thought I was done, but I really appreciate everything Patty said, and there was something that she said specifically that let me know that I'm not done because I was on the fence. This is way out of character for me because I don't do this kind of stuff. But a few a few days ago, I had a, a few nights ago, I should say, I had a dream, and um, 
in this dream, I was um, in the room with a, a woman. I don't know who it was. It was nobody I recognized, but she was terminally ill. I can only speculate what it was, but whatever it was, it was terminal. And uh, there was other people in there saying this or that, you know, the platitudes that go along with that kind of stuff. But in my dream, I, <clears throat> I spoke to this woman. I locked eyes with her uh, because she was struggling with her situation and everyone else in the room was struggling with the, her situation. And I didn't, I didn't do what you would expect someone to do in that situation. I woke up from the dream and I was like, that man, that was wild. Um, I looked at this woman and, uh, and this is what I told her. I said, you are still here right now. And your purpose is to give him glory and that's how I knew I was supposed to say this, uh, Patty, um, because you said that exact phrase at least twice. Your purpose is to give him glory with every breath that you still have. And your purpose is to continue to give him glory until you no longer can. So those aren't necessarily words of comfort, but it was the truth. Right, and so I've been really been thinking about that dream ever since I had it. It was very vivid. So, and what's interesting, there was another woman in that dream who I also didn't recognize, but she did not appreciate my words, and she was telling me to shh, don't talk like that, shh, stop or whatever. But the sick woman that I spoke to, it was like. It, what I said clicked and she was like kind of like froze in time because what I said went pew, straight to her so I just wanted to share that on the Chinese buffet. <laughs> when Daniel first spoke, take me through the fire. The Lord spoke to my soul. He said, now's the time. for 47 years and I ran for about 38 of those years 2012 I had a heat stroke out in Lionel nine months later I had my second heat stroke and it was bad 
I stayed in the medical center of South Arkansas for a week. They gave me like 60 IV bags. But God wasn't through. 2016, I had an anaphylactic seizure from eating that seafood gumbo y'all like. <laughs> My throat swelled up so quick, so fast. That from college to the medical center of South Arkansas, I had my head out the window like your dogs do, trying to get air on their tongue. Medically, they said I had went like seven or eight minutes without oxygen. Got to the emergency window and collapsed. I didn't know anything other than getting to the window for two days. I wasn't in a coma, but I was unconscious. Several visitors, several friends, several doctors and nurses come in. There was one voice that I heard the entire time that I was unconscious. It was Jesus' voice. But it come out the lips of Cleetie Blackwell. People that I have known my entire life prayed over me. But it was that lady who I could recognize. Tried, yes. Proven, I'm still getting there. But there's nothing in this world that can make me say that my God is not real. Amen. Death doesn't frighten me. But one second without the Lord and Savior in my life will kill me dead as a doorknob. I told Pastor Chester about this movie that my wife introduced me to about a week ago. It's called A Question of Faith. like Daniel. I consider myself big and strong. But when the Lord go to refining and remolding and re-sculpturing, you find out how vulnerable you actually are. That movie touched me in every way imaginable. From racism to you know, just 
unfortunate tragedies in life to God showing you his hand in every inch of it. I recommend that everyone in this room watches that movie. Because just like that song, just like his testimony, just like Patty's testimony, and mine as well, it's going to make you reflect that was God. That was God. This was God. All we really did was surrender. Everything else was God. So I encourage everyone to watch that movie. I mean, I promise you, you're going to love it. Probably one of my all-time favorite movies, and I just watched it a week ago. So thank you to my wife for being so uplifting. She encouraged me to watch these Christian-based religious or spiritual movies. And I cry like a baby every time we watch one. But it's so great to know that when you're crying, that's love. That's love pouring out. She wipes my, my tears. I say, I don't know what you keep wiping for. They just going to keep falling. But I reflect on how I chose to live in the past to where he's now taking me. I've been a member of Cross Life since 2015. Now a member here at the Armory. Like Daniel said, he's shown me so much better his way. My way, I thought it was good. In actuality, all this gray came from Victor's choices. change my way of thinking and let his way of doing things lead me. Life is so much better when he's the head. And I thank y'all. Love you. I know I'm supposed to talk about this, share an experience from my past, and I don't really know how so y'all are just going to have to bear with me. Um, there's, there's things when you find redemption in Christ that you forget about. And that's an amazing work. Um, but mo- I would say most at least half of the people in here know my testimony of what the Lord brought me out of back to Him. Um, to give you the short, I was very addicted to some stuff and uh, my mentality at the time <clears throat> was I would 
talk that I wouldn't, talking about the way I was living at the time, I would say that I wouldn't see 35. Um, and I would joke about it. Like, oh yeah, I'm having so much fun, but I'm probably not going to live past 35. Whatever. Because I didn't care. Yeah. Um, but then there was a moment that alcoholics refer to as a moment of clarity. And I said, okay, Lord, it's either I'm going to get, I'm not going to make it through this and I'm going to meet you or you're going to help me get through this. And I decided that I was going to get sober cold turkey. And it's weird coming back to Christ and detoxing and my little apartment that I had at the time I had no furniture I had a I had a filing cabinet with my computer that sat on top of the filing cabinet I had a bed and I had a little love seat and I would sleep in the love seat most of the time because I was so uncomfortable the only place I could fall asleep is in in that in the fetal position hiding under a blanket but I sometimes it's weird I miss it because the closeness of coming back to the father in that moment hiding under the blanket shivering and not knowing if I was going to make it through the next hour um, there was a song that I would sing and I would like us to try situation and I don't know everybody's situation I don't know what you're going through currently in this moment but say it's it's a hard situation I don't know 
but here's the picture that I have in my head of the Father. So, <laughs> I want you to think about that. I want everybody in here just to close your eyes and we're going to sing the song until Jester decides it's time to stop. But we're going to sing that song. I want you to imagine that there is a rope that's in the center of your chest connected to your heart and the Lord sees you in that situation and he knows how you're feeling right now. And maybe you have been in a situation close to death so you would understand this. Like dad, like myself, like Tito, like Patty. You would understand. Situations arise in the world and we can either let them make us bitter and scale our eyes and sever our heartstring or... <laughs> So just close your eyes. Imagine the Father pulling on that rope that's connected to your heart. And we're going to sing this a couple more times. started talking from from when we started singing that song I felt um, the Lord um, bring to my attention the parable of the ten virgins um, and oh thank you um, so I'll just read it that'll be easier 
Matthew 25, verse 1. Um, At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five of them were wise. The foolish took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they became drowsy. They all became drowsy and fell asleep. And at midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us oil. Um, Our lamps are going out. And the wise cried, No, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were away, the bridegroom arrived, and the virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet. And the door was shut. And later, the others also came, Lord, Lord, they said, Open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. That it would be incredibly scary to be one of the um, foolish virgins. And I think about this passage sometimes because, because I like wrestle with the thought of like, what really is the oil? Like, what is that? Um, but I think it's pretty clear that being near to Jesus is that oil, the oil of the Holy Spirit. And you have to get it before before you need it. And how how do you make oil? You you crush things (laughs) and then the oil comes out. And if it means that we get crushed now, but we get to go into the wedding banquet, you will be so glad. You will be so glad. You will be so glad that you got crushed now instead of being locked out. So like your health, your body getting crushed, your mind being crushed, but it drawing you in, but that being the thing that draws you in, let that be the thing that draws you in. You want to be drawn in now. We're all 10 virgins fall asleep. Nobody, nobody can wait long enough. Everybody falls asleep. But you want to have oil when you wake up. You have to have it. There's not going to be time then. You have to get it now. So yeah, singing that. When I was like 20, before I had kids, I prayed that the Lord would make me like Job. And I don't know if I mean it now. Um, but, but yeah, yeah. But, um, but this song always scares me but we have to sing it now because it will there is going to be a time when it's too late and you you don't you don't want to wait really i so what the lord is doing today and and this is missy just sent me a scripture text me one um I was talking earlier this week because I've been developing uh, a new direction of messages, and um, I was talking to Raylene about something, uh, some spiritual stuff. He was talking about some spiritual stuff, and she's she's like, "We need to be reminded." And all this service has been remember here what the Lord has done then, and remember remember how he brought us out of here to here and remember and what he's doing is he's awakening that first love again how many of y'all need that remind you know the, the, the writer of revelation john 
Jesus spoke to, spoke to the church. He says, you've lost your first love. And that first love is being reminded and awakened. Awake, awake on north wind, right? That first love being awakened for the marriage of the, the bridegroom and all that. And so I'm going to, this, what I, what I got to preach this morning just goes so much with everything that's happened. And at the end, I already told him at the end, we're going to have ministry time. So at the end, we're going to do a little bit of ministry time. But y'all let me squeeze this message in just real quick. I know you got to go to work. Okay, but it'll be okay. All right. So I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew 8. If you don't want to play anymore, you don't have to play. Do you want to play? You want to? Matthew 8. says, uh, it's just, I'm just going to pray. Holy Spirit, we love you. We thank you for the word. We pray that the word would come alive in our hearts as the spirit is doing in this room. We pray that the word would continue to come alive in our hearts. I'm going to preach about the, the leper that was cleansed. Just remind you of something, okay? I want to remind you. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 says this. It says, when Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. And a man with leprosy came to him and bowed down before him and said, Lord, if you are willing. Anybody here ever said that? Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. What the Lord is doing today is he's taking people who, who physically, but even spiritually, maybe you need, you haven't felt clean in a while. The Lord's going to clean you. He, that's what the process of the gold being refined, right? Is a cleansing process. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Jesus said, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go, show yourself to the priest, and present the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. The mountain is where the law of God is handed down. Go back to Moses, right? Go back to Moses. He goes up on the mountain. All of Israel is at the bottom of the mountain. He goes up to meet God. He gives him the law and he comes down back to all Israel, the crowd, and he hands out the law. Same thing. If you go to Matthew chapter 5, Jesus saw uh, the great crowd. Matthew chapter 5. Jesus saw the crowds. He went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, he began to teach them. And Jesus is, didn't do away with the law, but he fulfills the law, and he actually takes the law, and he takes it from an external experience to an internal experience. So you've heard it said, but I say to you, uh, if you murder a man out here, that's not, a, that, that's not enough not to do that. You can't murder a man in here anymore, right? And so he takes the law, and he, he moves it from an external experience into an internal, in a, a matter of the heart, because he wants to make Davids out of all of us, where God doesn't look at the outward appearance, he looks at the heart, right? That's the gospel. It, it touches the heart. And so they go through this experience on, with Jesus on the Mount of Beatitudes, and he teaches them the Beatitudes, and he, and he takes the law, and he ups the ante with the law. And then he comes back off the mountain, and now the crowds are following him. Y'all with me? Now the crowds are following him. And so this is where we go back to Matthew chapter 8. He comes off the mountain. Go back to Matthew. When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. And the first thing that happens, this is the first miracle recorded in the book of Matthew. Not the wedding feast, 
water into wine. But Matthew records this is the first miracle. It's the first miracle recorded after the Sermon on the Mount, after the law. is uh, uh, Jesus takes law and reintroduces it to Israel's heart. You with me? A lot of times, we don't feel like we can receive from God because we think God wants to move on us based upon our ability to keep the law. So I'm a good keeper of the law. He does good things for me. I'm a bad keeper of the law. He's not going to touch me. And Jesus is about to teach the entire crowd that heard his teachings. He's going to say, the law isn't the point. It's good. Everybody say amen. It's right. My teachings are good. You're wise if you build your house upon them. But really, my heart and my compassion and my willingness to touch and desire to touch you, that's where the, that's where the miracle comes from. And this whole sermon is about this, reminding you that God is very willing to take your leprosy and make you clean. Leprosy was a terrible, incurable, highly contagious skin disease in the physical. Sores, festering sores would come upon them. Very contagious. If you, if you got around them, touched them, it would spread like wildfire amongst the people. That was the physical. Uh, it might go away. It might not go away. You may experience the rest of your life in leprosy. It was also spiritually in Hebrew culture, it was symbolic of sin. If you are a leper, you are assumed to be a sinner and you are being punished with leprosy because of your sin. That was the cultural mindset. That makes sense? So in, in Hebrew culture, if you had leprosy, you, you've done something to deserve the leprosy. Make sense? To be unclean. Everybody say unclean. To be unclean was physical, spiritual, sociological. You felt physically unclean. You felt spiritually. You were you identified yourself as a sinner. You felt shame. You felt all this stuff on you. And then there was no, and you were outcast and rejected. Even to go to church or to the temple, you couldn't. If you wanted to see the priest, the only way you could see the priest was if the priest was doing an examination on you and basically judge you and see if you're clean enough to come into the house. Does that make sense? And so leprosy represented so much more than just a physical need. If you were a successful businessman and you came down with leprosy, you immediately became an outcast. You live in a leopard colony and, and, and you're, you was away from your family, you was away from your friends, you were away from your business. You went from a high status to being a beggar overnight. Leprosy affected all of, of the, of the, the uh, leper's life. And so when this man is unclean and when this man is approaching Jesus, this is, this is a taboo. This is what you don't do. You don't head towards a crowd with leprosy. 
It's amazing to me that over the last few years, another disease has tried to isolate everybody and keep people from going to the crowd where actually healing can take place. And so Jesus sees this man and he's got this crowd with him. Thousands of people coming off the mountain of the Lord in a sense. Y'all with me? The disciples are there. And this man asked Jesus, go to verse verse 2. A leper came to him, bowed down before him. That's what Daniel said, for as long as you have breath, you glorify the Lord. His posture is humility. His posture is worship. His posture is, is very humble. And he comes before the Lord on bended knee. He doesn't come before the Lord as if that man owes him anything. Come before the Lord in right spirit on bended knee. And he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. See, it's not a matter of if God can or cannot. It's insane to to be in a church or to call yourself a Christian and God and, and not believe he's able. He's absolutely able. If he's God, he's able. Okay? So the, the ability isn't the question. If he's God, he's able, or otherwise we are all wasting our time worshiping and serving a God who can save our soul but can't save our body. He is absolutely able. He lacks for no power. He lacks for no ability. He is the God of the universe. With one word from his mouth, he spoke the world to existence. This is not not an issue of ability. He is able. Amen? And so even this this wretched uh, uh, leopard doesn't wrestle with the question if God is able. He wrestles with the question as if he's willing. That's another, that's another, that's a whole other question altogether. And the word here in the Greek, this is one of the first words, uh, 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 this Wednesday I'll finish up all my Greek courses. And one of the first, the, one of the first words we learned, uh, uh, vocabulary words, was this word, thelo. They've translated it here, willing. But see, it's not what the word means. What the word means is, you remember Jim? No? Okay. Sorry to put you on the spot. What it means here is it means want, desire, or wish. The fellow word means do you, what he's asking Jesus is not are you willing? Because a lot of us are willing to do stuff that we don't want to do. A lot of us are willing to do something we don't really desire to do. What he's asking Jesus is not if, if he's able or if he's, you know, reluctantly willing to do something. What he's asking Jesus is if your heart desires to do something about my condition. Do you have a, do you have a want to inside of you? Do you desire to make me clean? And if there's one thing I want to convince the hearer of this message today is not that God is just uh, reluctantly willing to take you out of your leprosy into cleanliness, but God is actually, like, like Talon said, He's got, a, he got a, uh, the, the other end of the rope tied to your heart and He desires to pull you into cleanliness. He desires to pull you out of leprosy and into being made whole, into being made clean. It's His want to. It's His desire. 
It was the reason he left heaven and came to earth, right? It was the reason he manifested. He, he, he gave up his he gave up his uh, his uh, uh, ability to be seen as God and became a man, put on flesh, dwelt among us, lived a sinless life, uh, uh, gave himself over to death, even death on a cross, because he had a want to inside of him. He had a desire inside of him. He's more than willing. He fellows. He, he desires your cleanness. Lord, if you are willing, can you make me clean? Uh, this is the exact same word. Hebrews chapter 2. Throw it up there for me. Hebrews chapter 2 says this. God testifying with them. That's what we're doing this morning is testifying. Remembering where he was, remembering where he has brought us. Testifying of the Lord, right? Uh, the uh, Prophecy itself is the testimony of Jesus Christ, the scripture says. Okay, testifying both by signs and wonders, by various miracles, and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his fellow. His wish, his desire. What that scripture is saying is throughout generations and still going on today, God pours out his spirit according to his desire to see the gospel and people transformed. I got to ask you, how much does Jesus want to see the people transformed? How great is that burning desire in his heart? Oh, it's big. It's big. This is why we're going to see an increase. Signs, wonders, miracles, gifts of the Spirit. That's why we're going to see an increase because the desire is still burning red hot in the heart of Jesus. Mark 1, 41 sheds this one sentence inside this story that Matthew doesn't record and Luke doesn't record. Mark says that Jesus came off the mountain and he saw that man. And the Bible says that Jesus was moved with... See, compassion is... Compassion is more than uh, just being willing. Y'all out there? Jesus isn't just willing. His heart is moved with compassion. And he saw this leper. He saw this outcast, this leper, suffering physically, suffering spiritually. And he was, his heart. He comes off of that mountain. Hear me now. He comes off that mountain and he has thousands of people eating out of his hand. Hanging on every word he speaks. And you would think a good preacher would pay attention to all the people. He's got thousands of people following him, hanging on every word he speaks. But he sees one man in his heart goes. He sees one man and he goes, got to go there. And he heads straight towards that one man. And then he does what is absolutely forbidden. Not just, not just unadvisable, not just bad hygiene practice, but forbidden by the laws of his own people. 
He takes his hand and he reaches out because compassion doesn't just see a need. Compassion sees a need and does something about it. And I'm here to tell you this morning, if you're a person needing something, that Jesus doesn't just see you and pity you this morning. Jesus doesn't just see you and have an emotional response to your need this morning. Jesus sees you, he has compassion for you, and he's going to do something about it. And Jesus stretches out his hand and he touches him, touches the leper. At that moment, Jesus should be outcast the same way the leper's outcast. Uh, are you willing? Do you have desire to meet my need? I've got so much desire, I'll put myself at risk. Jesus said to him, I am willing. Everybody close your eyes all across this room. I want you to hear what I'm about to say. I want you to hear what I'm saying right now. Not what I'm saying. I want you to hear what Jesus says. If you ask him the question, I don't care what your form of leprosy is. I don't care what your sin is. I don't care what your uh, illness is. I don't care what it is. Whatever you need today, and you're asking God, I know, I know you're able, God, but I need to know, are you willing, God? Do you desire to touch me? I need you to hear three words out of his mouth this morning. I am willing he's not reluctantly willing he is absolutely full of compassion and full of desire to touch you right where you are today and then he says then he says this be clean be clean Compassion has been a consistent trait all throughout Scripture of God and how He operates. It was King David who prayed Psalm 51.1, Have mercy upon me, O God. Because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out all my iniquities. See, God doesn't just have compassion. He doesn't just have strong feelings, but he has the ability to wipe you clean. Hear what I'm saying? God has the ability to wipe you clean. If you feel sick, if you feel dirty, if you feel shame, if you feel regret, whether it was your fault or somebody else's fault, it doesn't matter. All I'm here to tell you right now is Jesus Christ is willing and Jesus Christ can wipe you clean. The scripture says, blot out the stain of it. The leper would take his garment to the priest and the, and the priest would, would look at his garment and if there were stains on it, he would say, you gotta go burn that garment. But I'm here to tell you right now, that word cleans there, that's the word that they would take the laundry and they would make it, they would remove every stain out of it. It would come out just perfectly without stain, without spot, without wrinkle. It would come out completely clean. And I'm here to tell you right now, Jesus Christ wants to cleanse you. It may be a physical ailment. It may be a spiritual, uh, a, 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 a sense of being, feeling uh, 
the weight of your sin, but he wants to cleanse you. And not only does he want to cleanse you, he won't cleanse you by osmosis. He will reach out and touch you. Jesus is not afraid to get his hands dirty. I want to tell you what your cleansing looks like. And then we're done. We're going to show a little video here and then I'll be done. Jesus told him, he said, uh, go to verse, go back to verse like uh, 8, verse 3 or 4. Matthew 8, verse 3 or 4 there. Jesus stretched out his hand, touched him and said, I'm willing to be cleaned. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Verse 4 says this, Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one but go, show yourself to the priest and present the offering that Moses commanded as a, test- as a testimony to them. I want to bring this up. I need, to, I need you to understand the power and the significance of Jesus touching you. When they were, when the leopard in Leviticus 13 and 14, whenever they thought they were healed, whether they, their, their leprosy was in remission, but they thought they were healed, they would go to the priest. And the priest would do a thorough examination. I mean, he would do like the, I mean, he would, he would look at every square inch of the person's body to find any sores. If, if a man was losing hair, he would, I mean, he would literally like pull through, like looking for lice. And he would examine all of, of that person's body. He would do a thorough examination. And then he would send that man off for a week and say, come back in a week and we'll do it again. And then if after a week he had been deemed clean, then that man would bring uh, offerings and he'd have to present offerings to the Lord present offering that Moses commanded and they would have to sacrifice a few animals and then they would wait another week and they'd come back another week and they'd have to bring an even greater offering this 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 uh, show yourself to the priest wasn't a five minute thing you walk into the priest and go hey am I clean am I good bro and he goes yeah you're good no this was a process of examination where the priest would examine to see if you were clean and after that process of examination and you gave all the offerings then you were released to go back to your life as normal this is the point I'm trying to make when this man this leper this outcast this man living in a leper colony when he went when Jesus said go to the priest then this man goes to the priest and says Jesus Christ just healed me because it's a testimony and that testimony had to be told over and over and thought about and examined for weeks and weeks to come that those priests who hated Jesus' gut, that world that hated Jesus' gut couldn't deny that a leper who was unclean is now standing before me clean making offerings and I don't know what to do with this and I, but I gotta think about it for the next two weeks. And my point is that whatever God does in you, I'm telling you, people are going to look at your life and they're going to examine you and they're going to look at it and they're going to see what the offering that your life now is to God and they're not going to be able to forget about it. And your life becomes a testimony of who Jesus is. Your healing.
healing. Listen to me. Your healing isn't just about you feeling better. Your he- your cleansing isn't just about feeling dirty now, feeling clean. It is Jesus Christ using you as another one of his examples of how he is truly King of kings and Lord of lords and the most powerful God of all the universe. That the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. You hear what I'm saying to you? And so there's, and so I'm saying God is willing to cleanse you, touch you physically, spiritually. He wants to restore you in every aspect of your life. He is willing. He desires it. He doesn't just reluctantly want to do it. He desires to do it. And his heart is moved with compassion to touch you. His willingness to cleanse you has nothing to do with your ability to perfectly keep the law. Has everything to do with his heart is full of compassion and his heart is full of desire. He wants to turn you into a testimony. If you want to be clean today, if you want to be healed today, I'm talking about physically healed and you need healing, Jesus Christ is willing. Right now, just find a place and just pray. Ask him the question for yourself. Are you willing?
some of you may have to go, but I really want to encourage you, if you can, if you if you feel the Lord stirring your heart to wait patiently before the Lord, just in an attitude of posture and prayer, we're not really going to grab the mic and say much anymore. I just want you to wait patiently before the Lord. Just wait patiently before the Lord and stay in an attitude of praise prayer. If you have to sneak out, then that's fine, but, I, but I'm, I'm not really kind of dismissing. I'm just saying that if you, if you can, wait patiently before the Lord for a few moments and just stay in a 